Hey, before you dive into this fabulous Red Cow podcast, Frankie Frayne here, reminding you to check out the other shows at redcowentertainment.com. We, of course, have our flagship show, Hawaii, which started this whole thing off, in which me and my friends crack each other up with all manner of scatological and observational humor. If you're having a bad day and just want to laugh, that's the show for you. There's currently 60 episodes and counting, so why not just start from the top and work your way forward? But, you know, maybe you're a little more topic-oriented. You might want to check out Rage Quit, in which a lot of the guys you know from Hawaii get together and talk video games. We talk old classic games. We talk brand spanking new games. It gets geeky as shit on the show, but with a great deal of ball busting. If you're into that kind of thing, I totally am. Maybe you're not into all the joking around and you're here for some filmmaking advice and filmmaking stories. Check out Discount Film School, where I interview over 40 filmmakers, animators, actors, film festival programmers, and film columnists. Guys like Lloyd Kaufman, Jason McHugh, Alexander Philippe, and so many more. And finally, don't miss our newest show, Lone Holdout. As the name suggests, our our two hosts, Emily Brinkmeyer and Tycho Alhambra, try new things they've been totally holding out on, whether it's TV shows or hobbies or activities or music, and they dedicate each episode to examining that topic. It's a ton of fun. So go like the Red Cow Entertainment Facebook page. We post everything we do over there. We have literally hundreds of hours of podcasts, video blogs, short films, feature films, and animations. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made four low-budget feature films of varying success, and I've been to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length films on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. Hey, welcome back. Uh, joining me is a guy who, if you've been following any of... Uh, the shit I've been posting on Facebook, on the Red Cow page, or anything like that. Probably seeing these cartoons pop up. It's little black and white cartoons with oval heads um, that feature my voice from time to time. But because they featured me, I, of course, dove into them. Because <laughs> the, the gateway for me for anything is that I have to be involved in it in some way. There's a, an ego stroke to the whole thing, which everybody else is like, too, goddammit. Um, and I, it's I, all reciprocal, really. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're all artists just blowing each other <laughs> sort of in service of one another <laughs> but um but it's ej massa and he we went to uh the mfa together at emerson and um he's one of the the few dudes who uh i was kind of looking to to get to know in terms of like being interested in being prolific and constantly generating stuff even if it's you know like just, just kind of pumping stuff out um in the interest of creating and just kind of generating joy from that and then when he graduated, I noticed he started pumping out these. They're called EJ Comics from Entertainment Bicycle, uh, is what he's branded them. And, and Excitement I, Bicycle. Oh, fuck me, man. Excitement Bicycle. <laughs> um, I knew I'd get something wrong. And, uh, and I love them. I think they're all really fucking funny. And, um, and so it, it, it's long overdue that I ask him about uh, uh, who he is and get behind the cartoons <laughs> get behind this stoic visage <laughs> the stoic visage and recently too if you see when you see our uh, new movie he was he he acted in it uh in in definitely the funniest scene in the movie because it's not that hilarious of a movie but that one scene is pretty damn funny and you brought it ej i was a little i was a little uh worried because it's such a funny scene that it would be like i don't know it would stand out like a sore thumb but actually it works in a way it's just like I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, me but, neither. Uh, 
<laughs> it's not like I planned it in any kind of way. I just I think I was just crossing my fingers. I think it's just uh-huh. because it came after a really dramatic, melodramatic scene. You kind of needed something to because uh, it wasn't like it wasn't like the, they were Martians or something like that. They're still real people. They're just more caricature-y than than anybody yeah, we've yeah. seen in the movie. So yeah, uh, it was a good it was a good release. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> so let's roll back. So you um. One thing I'm kind of excited about, I don't think in the 45 episodes of Discount Film School, I don't think I've talked to an animator yet. Oh, well. And you kind of (laughs) consider yourself primarily an animator or, I mean, I know that you're interested in a lot more than that, but I, I, when I think of EJ, I think of animation. Oh yeah, definitely. That's, that's what I put out at a, on a regular basis. Um, like, I mean, what I do professionally is mostly animate, like doing like motion graphics Mm-hmm. And uh, but I also do video work, but not as much as animation. Definitely, like good post production stuff. So, yeah, that that is what I do, and that's what I do it on a regular basis, and that's what I force down people's throats on Facebook. So, <laughs> but <laughs> I would wh- say, when did you get into it? Um, I would say I got into it in like I was always making comics. Like I was making comics in uh, high school, and before that, just dumb comics that I'd do on paper and I'd actually scan into my computer and put on the internet and it would have like the friggin' notebook lines on it and everything. And so I think that's like probably when EJ comic was first, like a thing was actually in high school mm-hmm. and it was just pencil drawings. You could see the, where I erased and <laughs> put other stuff. So yeah. Uh, so back in high school I did those kind of comics and then, um, in college, Somebody like I was in college for engineering originally, and um, WPI, right? Yeah, WPI, and uh, I was electrical engineer. So I didn't even like somebody just came to my uh, dorm room and was like, "Hey, I have this cool program," and just like pirated it on my computer, and it was Flash, uh, Macromedia Flash at the time, and I was like, "Oh, sweet!" So I just like they showed me how to tween, and then I was like hooked ever since. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, things are moving!" And so <laughs> that's what got me. And I just did like really absurd stuff before, uh, before like just not even stuff that I mean. I still do stuff that I think is funny, but doesn't really have jokes. But that I started just doing like weird stuff, and then it transitioned to stuff that was more a little down to earth, and uh, eventually. I actually eventually graduated WPI and became an engineer, and I was just doing this stuff in my spare time, and uh, I lost my job, and so I was like, oh, I guess I'm just gonna do more of this <laughs> this stuff, and that's what got me into Emerson is uh, is these animations. So yeah, so anybody who doesn't know what what tween is, because um, I think that's an interesting thing, is like, because I I remember being introduced to that for the first time too, because I used to try to make construction paper animation because I was influenced by South Park and they were like, well, oh, they yeah. did it. They did stop motion with, with construction paper. And so I grabbed my parents, uh, home video camera and I put it on like a telescope tripod. Cause that's what we had in the house. And I pointed it down at the ground and I printed out like from just whatever printer we had, uh, backgrounds that I had drawn in Microsoft paint. Then I cut out <laughs> computer paper cutouts and I did stop motion with them. And uh, to do the voices, I had to tape, I had to videotape the, the TV that played it back <laughs> and then live record voices on top of it. And, uh, and yeah, I remember for the first time being introduced to Flash and it, you know, somebody just being like, see how 
Flash will try to help you animate the things that a computer can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because um, that's what tween is, is it's basically saying, like, um, starting at this frame and ending at this frame, just create motion in between. Yeah, it's it was like and like if you see anything from like early two thousands internet, it's all all that shitty tween stuff, and you can see some people doing bad tweens, and yeah. it like you can just like just like the thing falls apart, and <laughs> it was normally like, like the, the demo was always like turn like a big green ball into like a small red ball. Oh yeah, yeah, or yeah. something like that, or like it, they yeah, break think, apart into many balls. I think when my friend like pirated on my computer he like just showed me like a triangle shrinking yeah. into <laughs> another triangle <laughs> and like, you were like i always wanted to do that <laughs> it's like the possibilities think but of all you, the triangle stories but the, uh, to me the only the only way that that like seeing software help you do something like that the only way that that's exciting is if in the back of your mind for some time you would kind of had a desire to like animate your comics or whatever uh, yeah, I actually, I think I didn't even think it was, like, a possibility. Like, I was thinking, like, oh, like, because I'm, like, lazy, yeah. so <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oh, I, just, I can do, like, one frame and, like, some jokes, but, like, after that I get, like, tired and, <laughs> and stuff <laughs> like that, so, <laughs> uh, so this opened up a possibility that, like, oh, wow, it actually doesn't take that much time, even though it really actually does, because, like, the ones I do now um, are actually frame by frame. Like, they're, yeah. you don't see too many tweens. There'll be a couple, awesome. but, yeah, they're they're mostly frame by frame. I think it just it got me into the waters of animation, and yeah. so, and then I was able to be like, oh, okay, I can do this now. So I was able to do the frame by frame stuff and draw each frame. It just got me into that scary world because like I, for before then you know you I thought you just take pictures of a piece of paper <laughs> and you would do each thing like frame by frame like Disney animation yeah um, so uh, I don't know that was too intimidating for me so that's what got me into it and then I was like oh and I the thing is I did EJ comics still for a couple like three years just like a single frame or a couple frames but then I was like I, I don't know I felt like I I, I need to do my jokes animated now. I don't know. I felt like they like that was there was more like opportunity for delivery yeah. and all these other things because I I love sketch comedy too, and um, and my I think my comics are like draw into like I don't know if you've seen Don Hertzfeld like his short like Rejected. Mm -hmm. They're totally if you if you see my cartoons they're totally inspired by that and uh, the webcomic Toothpaste for Dinner. Which is a which is just a single frame webcomic is totally inspired by my my EJ comics inspired by those are I would say my two huge so sources of influence on those. When did you discover those though? That was that wouldn't have been until after the high school work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Uh, well, in high school, that's when I re rejected was being tossed around like Kazaa. Like somebody would be like, well, up to, oh, go to Kazaa and upload this rejected cartoon. <laughs> You're dating yourself to, talking about Kazaa. That, that, that's for like, uh, that was an early um, pirating software. It was kind of like, it was like the, the thing that came out right after Napster. Yeah, yeah. It was like Morpheus and then Morpheus like, yes. like uh, went under and then it was Kazaa. And like my friend at school was just like, hey, well, look at this rejected thing. And that, I think when I watched that, that just opened up the possibilities for me for, to like, oh, people love absurdist stuff or love stuff that doesn't necessarily have jokes. So maybe if I just shared my crap on the internet. So that was like probably the genesis point 
of my. And it can be uh, really simple too, like the simplicity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like people love the simplicity, and it was like, oh, okay, so those are all the things I'm like, like I've already been doing, but now I know that I can share it. So that was one, and then toothpaste for dinner came, dinner came like in college, and that was just like, I don't know, just like single frame. Uh, I don't know, just being a cynical asshole, and I was like, "Oh, I'm cool. I'm cool with that too." So, <laughs> and telling a telling a joke so quick, um, yeah, exactly. Where like yeah. it's all wrapped, the setup and punchline is all wrapped up in one panel. And yeah, and then um, you know, the EJ comic animated is fairly recent, and um, that got me because everybody's doing doing the twitters and doing the. Uh, you know, you've seen those five second films and yeah. stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So like my comics are kind of like a one, like a one minute film. So maybe I'll just do those. So they, they kind of yeah. remind me of, of my podcasting in as much as it's, it's just, there's always a coal on the fire and, um, oh yeah, you don't, you don't have to have made like, they don't, you don't have to knock all of them out of the park either. Um, yeah. No, that's that. I'm I'm definitely a a quantity over quality person. Yeah. But I think the theory in my mind is that is if you make enough of them, like your quality just, will just naturally go up. Exactly. And like, um, and also you want. I think you have a, uh, you know, a, what do you call it? You have an incentive for the. You want the audience to keep coming back to you. Right. So um, there's an incentive there. Yeah. I mean, to it, build up really- that trust. Just creating a routine for your audience um, is is a really big thing, I think. Some consistency, some reliability. Because everybody that browses the internet kind of has their five or six things they check in weekly that they've subscribed to. And it kind of it oh, fills up, do. you know? And so, like, if you can just kind of grab one of them, they'll if they like you enough, they'll check back in with you, even if they don't, even if they're not over the moon about you. And then as you get better, they'll definitely stick around with you. Yeah, and, you, and then you hope there's that one fan who's just like insane and we'll just share your stuff everywhere and everything it happened to me like, I, have I'm, that, I'm hoping... I have that high school kid in oklahoma that just went wild for me uh that that is that is what we're looking for i had him over guy. my my house and everything i'm just if you like if you like my stuff like i'll give you a home over your head like i'll put a ring on, <laughs> i'll put a ring on your finger um so when you were doing like the sort of you know the genesis of vj comic in high school because that to me is a really interesting time because i think it kind of it determines a lot um you were doing it because you have natural drawing ability and just kind of thought it would be fun or what like what kind of inspired you at first and then did you get feedback from other kids like were you able to share it in, in a natural way yeah i um well i started off actually the co- the comic i was making was called i think it was called like my name is robert or something it was just it was a nonsense name and um yeah, it was. I just drew them, and um, and I would I would show them like to the, like some guy on the in the uh, like in my homeroom or something. And he would be like, ha ha ha, you know, like yeah. it, it was like really weird stuff. Like somebody next to a stop sign, and um, it said like Jim had problem with dyslexia, and he has a pot in his hand. And he's killing somebody with it because <laughs> pot pot and stop are. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, so anyway, and they'd be like, haha, that's funny because it's like violent and weird. And so, um, and I was like, oh, cool. And then, then I, what I'd do is I would go home and I would scan them and I would put them on like, I don't know, GeoCities or something and, uh, <laughs> or whatever. And, uh, and then I would like, yeah, send them around. I think actually I used Blogger at that time. It was yeah. Blogger. Yeah. And, um, 
And uh, yeah, I will share them around. Although that that old blogger site, I made sure it doesn't exist anymore, so you cannot find it, unfortunately or fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you do you archive all the content? I'm like real careful about. I want to make sure I keep everything I've ever made, no matter how shitty. Oh yeah, I have all of my content backed up on multiple hard hard drives. Whether or not I choose to share it, I think you could you could still probably find them. I think I have a photo bucket, <laughs> a photo bucket of uh, album of all of my old comics i could probably share it too yeah. like probably maybe i'll share it on excitement bicycle someday i was like but, the uh, idea of kind of sharing it by date so that there, you build in an expectation of like look man like this was like 1998 and i put i published it on like geocities slash Times square slash <laughs> <laughs> slash chick pages slash live journal <laughs> it was some weird it, when he when he refers to geocities see I, I worry i wonder if anybody knows any of the technology you're referencing <laughs> like geocities was the first um, I would say like hosting site that the people were publicly aware of that you could make your own website, design your own HTML and publish it. But unlike now well, where you can get like facebook.com slash Frankie frame, um, like short URLs like that, or even buy your own domain name for five bucks of for every 10 years or whatever. Back then it was like, for some reason, when there were fewer people using the internet, the URLs were more unavailable. Yeah, there. Yeah, or they were just I don't know, yeah, indecipherable. Yeah, but we didn't get it yet. I, I think that was it. We just didn't get it. It's like <laughs> we didn't have Google. We didn't have like oh, you need search tags and you need this. And yeah, it was just like my stuff's on the internet. Let me just write out this long address for you. Yeah, and, yeah. And you can on a piece of paper and you just like give it to somebody. <laughs> I remember logging into AOL to edit the HTML in the web interface for GeoCities. And when AOL inevitably got kicked off because somebody picked up a phone or, or something like that, uh, like I lost my whole website. I lost all my work. Yeah, I, I remember many, uh, many a game of WorldCraft 2 were lost because, <laughs> because of somebody picking up the phone. But I didn't even know to, like, to, to edit the, the HTML offline and then bring it in. I thought like I had to like, log in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I remember know. I was doing... I was doing something like that, you know, like, it's funny, because, like, I remember spending, like, a lot of time trying to make, like, a Resident Evil 2 walkthrough or something on on, on those things, and then, like, nowadays, like, you have so stuff that's, like, crowdsourced, like, you can go to the Resident Evil wiki, and it's, like, the best thing that's ever happened, but I was, like, yeah. I don't know, 14, putting a lot of effort into this. And let me help you guys. <laughs> let me help you guys. This is, I'm doing you a favor, because there wasn't anything. It's, like, if you wanted to look up Resident Evil 2 walkthroughs, there was, like, like one, and it's, like, ah, it's not good. And you were you were a big video game guy your whole life? Ah, uh, definitely, yes. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I, my sisters had, like, the Atari, like, 5600. We only had, like, Pac-Man for it, but then my, the, the real genesis was when my, uh, my uh, sister brought home an NES with Duck Hunt Mario, and that's just been it ever since, you know? Yeah. I've, I've loved that kind of Mario, just playing for fun. We don't have to think about the reality of the world. It's not like... Like, uh, a lot of these games that get Game of the Year nowadays are like, you know, Walking Dead and The Last of Us, where it's like, I gotta, gotta shoot my brother in the face to survive. And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, yeah, high stakes. I just want to, like, jump over the thing and have fun. I want bright music. Have some... <laughs> if I want to... I can just go outside right now if I want gray reality. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... 
my favorite are, are uh, the platformers as well, and, and especially like the Mario's and Sonics and and Zelda's. And um, it, it, it's to the point that like one thing I noticed was video games are still the one activity that when I play them, I'm not really able to do anything else besides play them. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, you watch a movie, you're fucking around on your laptop or, you know, you, like you're always kind of you, you always got a few things happening at once. And um, video games, you really, truly have to just focus on the one thing. And I for 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 however much they told us that video games were unhealthy uh, and bad for our brains. I'm starting to think like, you know what, like if I built in like an hour of gaming a day, I bet like I would think a little more clearly my mind would be a little bit more meditative. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely like a release for me. Like it makes me. Uh, it's, it's like, that's how I relax. Like, yeah. and there's, there's not many things that allow me to be, cause even when I'm like watching like a movie, I'm like, Oh, I gotta be, I should be like looking at my like email. I should be doing this. But like, yeah, yeah. like you said, I have like, when I'm playing those games, it's like tunnel vision. It's, it's only, it's only that. And I have to get that green star and that's all there is to, to <laughs> life. Green star. Um, <laughs> that, uh, th- <clears throat> those, those recent new super Mario brothers games, Something just off topic, something, something I noticed about them was, and, and this has always been the case with Mario, when you're playing as Mario in those games, does the Mushroom Kingdom look like it's under siege in any way? <laughs> <laughs> it looks to me like, I mean, especially in the new ones, the, the Koopa Troopas and the Hammer Brothers are actually dancing to the music. Like, everybody's really happy. <laughs> and it's like, it's only Mario is really pissed off. He's like, what? It looks Stop to me dancing. like he, he's terrorizing a really happy place. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I and I don't know. That speaks to me actually. I, I think actually that makes me happier to play. I don't know. I'm and then he I'm eats like, get mushrooms. Off, get off my lawn. He eats mushrooms and gets big, and then like <laughs> yeah. gets fire and starts throwing fire at things. <laughs> He's such a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, I love it. Happy smiling turtles. That, like, and they don't he, look like but he's smi- he's smiling and happy too. Just everything is happy, <laughs> and I and I really I think it's like I don't know. It, it I think the conceit is to bring it to bring it someplace real here. <laughs> is that it's like you know the like Mario three like how it like kind of like the curtain comes up and I always see it as just like a bunch of actors like these turtles are just playing the bad guys. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. And like Mario's playing the good guy, but at the end of the day, they all go to the cart racing with each other. So right. they're all friends. Play a little. But tennis. they have they have to fight. They have to. It's for the it's for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never quite thought of it that way. Like maybe maybe they're trying to do like a proscenium arch sort of thing and be like yeah. everything behind the television. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all it's an act. Really, it's it's really deep if you think about it. So. It is. So do you think that um. That gaming affected you as an artist in any way? I mean, I'm, I remember in the MFA, uh, it kind of always made its way into your portfolio work or your your uh, your write ups about yourself. Yeah, I, I think even uh, so, even before high school with the the comics that I was making, I was drawing video game characters, and that 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 was always the thing. It's like I was always amazed by what the artists could come up with. Like, cause I played the, you know, final fantasies growing up and like the imagination and those were like amazing. So I just, or like Mega Man and I would just like take their like instruction booklets and like, look at the, look at the artwork and the instruction booklets when they had instruction booklets. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, and I just, uh, and it was just, it was great. Cause you, they would give you so much art in those books. And so mm. I would, I would just copy them and it was like the thing about video games is like it was nothing like anything you could 
Like, because TV, he had its own thing going on. But, like, when you saw, like, what you could do in games, I don't know. It, was, it, it like, opened up my imagination. So, do you think you, yeah, like, I was the, the, the hero and everything, so. Do you think there was an element of, like, speaking as, as an artist, um, for the the low-res, low-quality graphic games that, that were great, um, I remember always just thinking about like, well, if, you know, I, the reason I loved looking at the instruction booklets was because somebody had the imagination to try to render this into kind of a 2D animation or a 2D cartoon. Yeah. I, I remember really liking the um, the Saturday morning cartoon versions of video games because I was like, oh, that's oh, yeah. what like they would look like if they didn't look shitty. And then, <laughs> and then I would, you know, I would imagine like trying to draw other characters from it and you know and render those and in an actual drawing did you ever it sounds like that captured your imagination too yeah i mean it, it, i i also watched those shitty saturday morning cartoons yeah. or, uh uh super mario super show and uh they were they horribly tried to rap and um with the mario like, brothers it's a game or something <laughs> i don't know that doesn't make sense <laughs> they're like Wait, i watched it <laughs> i ate their shit and i loved it oh yeah oh yes <laughs> and uh yeah no that was definitely uh, yeah, and it's kind of funny nowadays that, like, indie studios are trying to, like, do more and more, like, the 8-bit art, yeah. and, like, they're just, like, trying to go backwards, and, uh, I mean, it looks kind of cool, but, like, I don't know, you can't recreate the magic, you know? No. It was, like, it was, they, they, the artists back then were working out of necessity, you know? Like, this is, we can only make a guy that's 8 pixels tall or whatever, and uh, it does capture your imagination because you're like, you know, th- those eight pixels had a lot of personality. And That's you right. Just, yeah. You you wanted to imagine more to the world, and uh, I mean, you can still do that nowadays, but it definitely leaves less to the imagination. It feels a little more, yeah, uh, as opposed to like the like strip tease they gave us back then. It's more pornographic. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like the original Star Wars trilogy to the prequels. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It was where it's like, I think that's what made Star Wars so good is they just like left out so much stuff that you could, you know, they had, they have, they've made like all those art, uh, authors made all those expanded universe books just by those three movies. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And then, um, and then, then when they started act like George Lucas started actually thinking about the story, I think that's when problems, problems yeah. started. Well, it's, it's, yeah. it's almost kind of way more fun to allude to all of these things. Like I, you know, I was oh, aware yeah. that. <clears throat> I was aware that Anakin fell into some lava in a fight with Obi Wan, yeah. and that's why he's in the suit. And kind of more just thinking about what that could have been, and you, you knew it was probably a struggle over the dark side, but you don't quite yeah. know what. You don't really need. You sh- really shouldn't know what. You really shouldn't. And uh, <laughs> and it's 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 like if you could race the memories of Episode One, Two, and Three, I would. I yeah. would definitely. That was if uh, there's. There's very few things I would erase from my memory, and that's one of them. <laughs> but um, but actually, I mean, at the same time, without those, I wouldn't get the Plinkert reviews, so <laughs> I wouldn't be able to appreciate them. So yeah, and the Plinkert uh, reviews are just fucking incredible. Yeah. I you, you have a similar cadence in some some of your not all your comedy, but some of your comedy to like you obviously kind of connect with those guys at, at Red Letter Media. For anybody who doesn't oh, know, yeah. there's <clears throat> this cool website, Red Letter Media. These filmmakers based out of Milwaukee, and they're, they're they're just really astute film reviewers and filmmakers, and they they made this great series 
called Plinket Reviews, where it's this old, drunken, psychotic man uh, reviewing the Star Wars trilogy. It's very funny. And it was recently, their website was, was just the other day reviewed by another podcast on our network called Lone Holdout. And one of the two people in it, the, the gentleman, he shat on, on it, and yeah. I'm, just, I'm ashamed Oop. of him. Well, I think he, he appreciated the, the criticism of the Plinkett reviews, but he didn't like the humor, which which offends me, because I think a sense of humor says a lot about a person. So. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's strange to be like, let's, um, he, he, sh- he should have taken his review of Star Wars more seriously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what, what's brilliant to me, is like, at the end of the day, with these reviews on the internet, you're just, you're just... Yeah, you're talking about like bullshit fantasy characters, so you might as well give it the same respect. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it, when when you take the uh, when you take the air out of the argument by making a character and making jokes during the review, I think it enhances the intellectual idea behind the review <clears throat> yeah. because it's going. It, it 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 almost has the constant reminder of none of what I'm saying is important. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, but I'm going to take it very seriously. Exactly. I, I think that's great. I yeah. think that, I don't know. I was, Out of all things on the internet, I think those have tickled me the most. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I, I could just watch them on loop. It, it, it becomes part of your life where you're just, like, responding to people in the Plinkett voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was listening to a podcast the other day from Pendulette, and he, he's coming up on, he's going to make this um, this horror movie. It's kind of a cool idea where it's called director's cut. And the idea is that he is doing a commentary track for the movie you're watching that he made, which is like a fake action film. And then you, as you, and he's meant to be the director and you, you discover that he's actually not the director, that he's actually just voicing over raw footage that he's been taking himself. And then you, (laughs) you start to see inside of like, this is actually a maniac who was in craft services on the film. Um, (laughs) And, and it kind of, there's this nice intellectual idea behind it, but <clears throat> it's a horror movie and there's going to be gore in it. And somebody asked him, uh, do you know how much is too much in terms of gore? Do you know where to stop? Do you know where to end that? And he, and he, he had this really nice explanation about, <clears throat> excuse me, about how he believes that <clears throat> art is its most powerful when the intellectual idea collides hardest with a visceral idea. Um, but- that he used to be really afraid of, of gore and he used to be really afraid of horror movies, but he knew there was such good art there that he wanted to like kind of power through it. And it, it reminds me of South Park, like with this, like very juvenile concepts combined with very intellectual concepts colliding really hard. It's something I've tried to do with like with things like Abo, where it's like you have this disgusting character, but this this kind of be, behind the film there's this intellectual idea. Um, and he, he kind of compared it to this is a little bit pretentious but but i still sort of like it that it's it's kind of like life i mean it's you have an intellectual mind inside of an animal body and to me the Plinkett reviews like define what he's talking about oh yeah and i i i definitely think that's i think that's true and i i feel like there's just so much opportunity to like bring those ideas elsewhere because like i see so many like because I'm, I have no life, so I just watch like unboxing videos, and I feel like unboxing. <laughs> like, you sometimes. could just, you could date, like you could take like an unboxing video, and you could, you could elevate it using like really crazy humor, or like, I don't know, like people are just like doing like because I'm obsessed with cameras, uh, so, um, 
so I, I watch a lot of like really boring camera reviews. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, they're interest. Like, I can find the interesting things from it, but I almost. But the thing is, you know, once they because even with the Plinker reviews, you can like that guy was saying like people don't want that slapstick like jokes. They're like, just show me the just just get to the tits. I want to see. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like stop this foreplay. I think we need to make some like crazy unboxing and camera demos. Yeah, I think so too. Cop- I, I, copyright maybe... Frankie EJ. Th- that's a good yeah, idea, I, actually. I yeah, <laughs> patent pending, patent pending. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I was actually thinking of doing one because I I got a Canon, an old Canon 50D, and I I modified it with Magic Lantern, which is a a hack online to make it do more things than it originally could do it could only take stills now it can take video and raw video and i was thinking of doing like basically uh in character ej being insane but also reviewing this camera and getting off course and like saying some other stuff yeah so yeah yeah if if you'd like to help me with that that'd be great oh i would love to the i think the secret to it is to to really hook people into believing that they're going to learn something about the camera and like really get the geeks to be paying attention to it and then start fucking with them. Yeah, exactly. I think you have to give them the content like and then but also be just l- literally insane. I think that will be <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really that's what's hard. funny to me. Uh, yeah, that's what's funny to me. Like actually explain it but I'll also go off on tangents, you know. That's <laughs> So you I, uh, I, yeah. you turned away from being an electrical engineer which potentially had um more fruitful potential in terms of money but, yeah but you turned away for it, from it and you said fuck it i want to be an artist so it was it was that important to you so what did you mm. what did you want to accomplish in the mfa program and and like did you um i i just wanted to learn more cuz like i knew how to fuck around in flash and stuff and i i just didn't know what else i was capable of i guess yeah. and so um i the mfa program appealed to me just because of how like hands-on it was people were actively creating things and i could tell that um people were really into what they were doing i think i i maybe i saw you at one of the open houses and you probably said something along those lines and i was like oh that's cool yeah. people are doing what they want and what they and put being put in situations where you know there's you could maybe find out more about yourself because i felt like i i was only scraping the surface and um and I did, I did learn a lot. Like I didn't even know what like an aperture is to a camera. I didn't know like how that affected the look of certain things, and um, and just being in situations where I got to learn about that and go out into the field with a bunch of other assholes and <laughs> and figure this stuff out. Being like, what button do I push, and then stuff like that, and yeah, and uh, trying to make really you know like uh, crappy things, and and then. Uh, and eventually I figured out who I was, which is basically back where I started, which was an- animating things. So um, so I, I learned a lot from it. And also, I mean, it did, like, Emerson was amazing for me. A lot of people actually had, like, there were certain things they didn't like about it. I think I got lucky. I got all the, like, right professors. I think what happened is a lot of people got, like, a bunch of dud professors in a row. Yeah. Which discouraged them. And, um, which is like true of any school really. Right. And, um, it's also not this, and, a super technical school. No, it's not like, like for somebody like me who knew nothing, it was great. But I, I think somebody who already had the knowledge would probably be bored maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and cause they are, they are more conceptual 
And, well, especially uh, an MFA program, or an, M- an MFA yeah. program is supposed to be grooming future documentarians and uh, writers of film and teachers. Yeah, and, I, and that's kind of funny because uh, I was kind of scared when my first year because there were so many people above me that were doing documentaries, and I was like, should I be doing a documentary? And um, I think um, I think a lot of professors were frustrated with me because I just wanted to do my own bullshit and i didn't really care to think too much to elevate it to i know that's like what you're supposed to be doing in an mfa but you I weren't super just, scholastic or anything i wasn't super scholastic i've never really been super scholastic and so i brute forced my way through <laughs> <laughs> i remember i i can take a little bit of credit for relieving so you were one year behind me yes and because i was the very first year that the program opened and then you guys were the second year that the program opened and um, I remember, yeah, a lot of your class was interested in doing narrative, uh, which you weren't necessarily. You were kind of interested. Obviously, animation was where you were headed, but you, I guess you were interested in doing all kinds of stuff. But um, <clears throat> I remember, I think I might have actually literally been the only person in my class that did a narrative piece. Oh, yeah. And it was a feature. And so I at least I ended up getting contacted by a lot of people in the other class that were like, did they let you do that? <laughs> I was like, well, I just <laughs> did. did. I don't know. I know that's that was my thing. Is like, I kind of, I didn't, I did, I tried not to let it get to maybe that, like, I don't know. What we were being shown all these experimental films and all these documentary films, and I was like, I don't really want to do that. So I'm just gonna do my thing, and I kind of like, yeah, I like wore it. I would like my armor, yeah. and, <laughs> and it's like, and then you became the that guy, you know. You're like, oh, you're the animation guy, you're yeah. the interactive media guy, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take it. So <laughs> nobody else is doing it. You can kind of like carve out a little identity for yourself. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, I I couldn't stand. I mean, one experimental documentary after another. There, there was a little while there where I was like, this this is I'm gonna kill myself. Yeah, definitely. That was there was extreme fatigue and that that was probably in my like made me more uh more incentive for me to do my own thing because i was like i gotta like show other people that there's more to do in this program yeah yeah i i I wanted to i had that real like teenage rebellious streak a few times throughout the program where like it's like you watch enough up your own ass experimental stuff you really want to come out with something like i really just wanted to show everybody a toe going into a butt <laughs> and you did, and I sure did. <clears throat> um, so I wanted to make a quick comment about you were talking about a bunch of assholes going out into the woods and kind of learning how to do it. I, I went to undergrad at Emerson, so I had gone through four years of of that, but even more stumbly bumbly because it was with like eighteen to twenty two year olds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And and I was one of them. And um. So it was, it was kind of cool meeting a lot of people in the MFA who were from different backgrounds, like electrical engineers or people who went into fucking like European lit or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. That was kind of cool. That pe- people who weren't just from film school. And mm. um, <clears throat> but I remember recently. So I've been making movies now since like I was 13 or 14. And if you count the cartoons before that, even longer before that. So I've I've had ex- experience for better, you know, if you want to say that if you like my stuff, you don't like my stuff, whatever, but I've been doing it for a long time. I know my way yeah. around a set. I know my way around a camera. And I think I forget that sometimes because I, I continue to be in an educational environment where I, I think like, well, I'm still sort of getting my bearings on this. <laughs> like, yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I was on, I was asked to act in a, uh, 
like a cinematography remake for somebody the other day who I didn't even really know. And it got yeah. it got really I said yes for some reason. And it, it, it got really um like weird. <laughs> it, it it was uh <laughs> They were they were on the sound stage and they they really kind of acted and seemed like they knew what they were doing, but you could really oh. tell you, they did, they had to do three camera setups and it took four hours. Um, oh my goodness! And they weren't complex. They were they were they were all no camera motion. Um, oh, that's. <laughs> and you you have you have infinite lights on the sound stage, but I, I before I let myself get too angry, I actually just like took a step back and was like, Frankie, they're they're inexperienced. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're literally they are students trying to figure it out. I think the trick is, is that I think the reason that, that I was kind of thrown off by it was because they, I think a lot of film students have that urge to present or project like anybody in any walk of life to mm. project confidence about what they're doing, where you see right through it and go, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I think that's my strength is that I am never confident in any situation. So yeah. like, I remember being in like group projects there where, yeah, everyone kind of felt like, like they acted like they knew what they were doing, but I like definitely didn't know what I was doing and I acted like <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but I was the only one actually trying. So I was like, um, sending up like this, that's right guys. And they're just like looking at their phones or whatever. And I'm just like, Oh, well I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it wasn't correct what I was doing, but I was learning something. But, um, but most of the time, a lot of actually a lot of the groups I was in, there were there were there was like that one guy who like spearheaded the whole thing mm-hmm. and was like amazing and then everyone else was just like oh yeah cool <laughs> <laughs> but i always find that the guy who who kind of admits freely or speaks clearly about what they know and what they don't know is always the most useful person because a you communicate with them the clearest so you actually know mm-hmm. where you stand with the project and um and they're also the person willing to just start from scratch if they don't know something they're the, the one willing to like pull up Google and fucking figure it out. Um, oh yeah. Which you, that's, that, like, that's how you fell into like, you ended up being like a cinematographer on a number of projects. Yeah. Yeah. Which was probably a mistake, but it happened. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. And, uh, 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 and that's how kind of like it works. Right. I mean, we were both in it. So, yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, you don't know. I think in it, you know, basically nothing like maybe 10 percent of what's actually going on and then the rest oh, yeah. is like google so <laughs> yeah so i think it's like and if you are able to admit that to yourself and and you are able to navigate how to figure out things i think that's fine like that's like most of life yeah <laughs> so. i remember at emerson they they really wanted their vma students vma standing for visual media arts that's what the that's what the department is actually called at emerson um they have they have a real interest in uh, grooming more interactive media artists. They want to they want to attract those sorts of artists to the school, not just narrative filmmakers or documentary filmmakers. So were they all over you? Were they like maybe you could make up an, an installation, EJ? Um, I think um, there was like mild interest in me. There was like I think there was other people who had more conceptual ideas that the like. Uh, professors would gravitate to because mine I'm a little more mundane than that so I think like they're like oh you could do like an interactive installation I was just like mm. <laughs> how like, about EJ, maybe the maybe it's a game that that spans across the entire subway system of Boston and it's a it's an interactive media game on their tablet device and and then I'm just like that's bullshit so I'm <laughs> yeah. not gonna do that like I don't know I'm 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 
It's like if I can't see the end game for me or like if it doesn't like help somebody else out or entertain them in some way, like I just won't do it. It just yeah. doesn't like I'll have no motivation to do it. The, the motivation for me for EJ Comic is that somebody will like maybe chuckle or blow out through their nose hard, yeah. slightly harder. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's about it. So that's my motivation. But like, if you, if, yeah, if you're saying all this weird stuff to me and like <laughs> hashtags and like stuff that like is just constructed about uh, uh, like upon constructions, upon constructions, it doesn't make any sense to me and I won't do it. Well, so I think if, they if were, pull, so they had mild interest, but then they soon were disenchanted with me. I think that's what it was. <laughs> oh, I suspected so. But it, uh, like, cause if you pull, if you pull back the curtain unfortunately what you're going to find with those sorts of projects um i mean unless there it's a i'm, I'm not going to say that there's not no such thing as a good project that has a lot of constructions no. like that but i'm just saying there's a lot of most of it's bullshit um because if you and, and i'm not trying to sound cynical but if you pull back the curtain you're going to find people who are bi- really looking for grants that's what that that's yeah, what that all is yeah and that, that's the thing for me is like i don't care if somebody gives me money or not i'm gonna do it you know it's like yeah it's like because I have I have a worm in my brain, but like yeah, I feel like it's more. It seems like I I could be totally wrong. These people could probably be doing God's work for all I know. Um, <laughs> and but it seems like just like some weird weird thing to gain gain attention in some really specific niche that doesn't interest me. So well, it, it's mean, it's kind of interesting because it's like if if you wanted to, you know, work for a studio system and make money making films. You would look for where the youngest, largest audience is, and you try to make movies. You try to make Transformers because that pulls in the most yeah. amount of money. Like that, you, you you would pander to the audience to make the money. That's what you do. It's that's business. In the educational realm, you're really supposed to. It's supposed to be this free experimental space where you're not doing. Where you're only doing it for uh, to further the art form, to further your own understanding of it, to inspire other people. But like anything, a small sort of, you know, a, a, these, these little financial incentives start to pop up and suddenly you find yourself in a situation that really parallels the studio system where it's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to make something bullshitty and, and targeted to a demographic so I can gain a grant, which really to me is no better than, well, then just work for oh, Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I felt that too. It was like, okay, who do I want to pander to? And, and yeah. the end, the end I chose myself. And uh, of course, and that's my, my... why you're a fucking artist is because you pandered <laughs> to yourself. Um, of course, you know, the, the thing is, like, I had to sell. You do have to sell yourself a little bit on your on your own ideas, because, like, I mean, they want you to do that. Like, they want you to pander to the educational crowd. So I did like because I had the bachelor party was my uh, my uh, thesis. Yeah, describe and, that for people who don't know. It, uh, it was like um, it was a basically episodic cartoon like five minutes for each episode and uh, the first episode um you would be introduced to two characters they would interact and then they would meet a third character which the audience was able like after the episode was over the audience could vote on the personality of the uh the new character and then so like say if they were like there was a couple options that were actually provided from the uh, audience and then they would vote on it and say if it like was crazy then the guy would be crazy or if he was like silly the guy would be silly or something like that that's that's more vague but um so and then in two weeks i would have to make the next episode based on the audience suggestion 
And I formulated this thing in a way that would play to all my strengths and also appease their like multimedia bullshit, whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> got you your degree. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, Jim Sheldon, if you're listening to this now, <laughs> um, <laughs> he's a great guy, though. Yeah, he, I think he, he, he sort of gets it in a way. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, so they would vote on this. And this appealed to me because, yeah, it, one, I had a background in improv comedy. So um, it, it kind of had this immediacy to it, which I really liked. Yeah. And um, so it kept me on my toes like, oh, he's got to be like a racist. So I'm going to have to <laughs> do this. And um, uh, and then it also like it appealed to me because I, I do it really rapidly and I do all of my stuff like with very little time because that's how I motivate myself, motivate myself to do stuff. And then, um, and then it was, it was just like a simple and at its core, it was a simple like character, um, simple relationship, uh, and something kind of autobiographical cause it was kind of based on my bachelor party. So it was, it was, it was every, I just like try to package it up into like a total EJ ball and hopefully they would swallow it. So, and, and they eventually did. It took some persuading, but. Did you have like a few meetings where they were like, "I don't understand. I believe you could be pushing this." Yeah, they 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 didn't see the angle, and I was and maybe I wasn't. I also wasn't like communicating myself as much, um, uh, more clearly. And uh, but yeah, they they definitely wanted it pushed in other directions. But I I, I tended to quell that kind of kind of thinking (laughs) and just made made it what I wanted it to be in the end. And I think it it was, I'm really proud of it. So, um, I, I, the website still isn't up anymore because I didn't want to pay for the domain anymore, but, uh, (laughs) but the, you can, you can find them on YouTube on my, uh, my YouTube channel, EJ Massa. I have two YouTube channels. I have the EJ Massa YouTube channel, which is just the username is EJ Massa. And then there's excitement bicycle, which is all my new stuff. Excitement bicycle. Um, so what led into, I mean, I know you had made a lot on the EJ Massa YouTube channel um, that I think kind of ultimately inspired like uh, the, the now, e- I feel like now that you're doing the EJ comic um, as it exists under Excitement Bicycle, that really is like, it, now that you've graduated in a way, that you f- seem to really find your stride with these cartoons, I think. Uh, yeah, the, it, it took a while, but the, it, EJ, EJ Comic Animated, um, is yeah is is all of my yeah, all of my experience doing comics and uh, art and animation just yeah all at uh, this is the this is all that combined so um the rebranding like the to excitement bicycle was like that was cuz i just wanted to have like a space that was not just my name so i wanted something that like you know like red letter media or yeah. i guess red cow entertainment right um just like a place that well, wasn't maybe not wasn't necessarily me, but was me. <laughs> so uh, ex- yeah, primarily me. But I could like have other projects that I like do maybe even partially, like the Secret Histories, um, which uh, my friend Christopher Osborne does, which are these like short stories that are fake histories almost, and um, he puts a lot of a lot of good effort into those, and those are really really funny. Like they're witty. They're they're. Mine, mine's kind of like absurdist, anti-joke almost, yeah. or very simple jokes. While his is just very like intellectual. Like um, you have to, yeah. It's like you're not sure what's real and what's real, and the absurdity of that 
conflict causes humor. Um, and you're just, you're and, just you just kind of host those for him. You're just kind of his his cheerleader, his producer. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah I'm his uh, uh, task <laughs> taskmaster yeah. slash yeah, uh, producer. I I post I take his audio files and I I post them for him and make all the graphics for him. So um, so the, yeah so the, he's my other he's my partner in crime in this in this endeavor, and um, and I'm open to more people joining. I just uh, haven't. Uh, Put the effort to find any so <laughs> yeah I, I i had a i had similar aspirations where i kind of was like well i'd like to it, it'll, it'll kind of stem out of my projects but um you know if if somebody wants to shoot something and and they want kyle to be the cinematographer and maybe i can produce it like we did that with vibes for instance um you know that that can come under our little logo if somebody wants to do a podcast um that i have yeah. nothing to do with um the only thing the only rule is you can't say anything bad about plinkert reviews <laughs> you violated my one rule um that you know that that sort of thing um it's, it's been really fun really rewarding to to uh web out just a little tiny bit and it's been really i mean even just doing the voices for your stuff is is just another fun thing i can be posting and sharing with people and i hope i i hope i've turned i i know i've turned a number of people onto the cartoon some days i'll just uh you know, if I miss two weeks of them, it's like I, I'm, I'm almost glad that I did because I can get like <laughs> four minutes of, of EJ comic yeah. instead of, uh, you know, 30 seconds at a time. Yeah, these are made for binging. And that's what I'm hoping is that, yeah, yeah somebody will stumble across and just binge on the whole whole playlist. And uh, yeah, no, I, th- I, I definitely appreciate I think you, you bring a good comedic voice because there's only so much range I have. And I feel like you just have a very good comedic voice, and I think it it lends itself to my art style, mm-hmm. and um, that's why I pursued your you in the first place. I was like, ah, just I think he would do well in my thing, and so the fact that you are able to rapidly record them and give them to me, that's amazing. So yeah, that's that's the other fun thing too is like. Um it's so easy for me to record. So I, I, as soon as I see it in email, I just yank out the microphone, record it. And like, I'm really happy to be able to provide it to you on your schedule. Um, and, uh, also I, I, it's been fun because you give me next to no direction because it's not necessary. Like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Unless I want you to do a specific voice. Like I'm like, Oh, you like in the, the, the pumpkin spice latte. I was like, I kind of wanted to sound like Wacko Warner or whatever. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hello, uh, take over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, or Ringo. And um, and uh, and that's that was the, really the only one. But the, other than that, I'm just like, <laughs> or the recent one. I'm like, don't don't sound like Woody Allen. <laughs> just, just just do a regular voice. I don't want to be that racist. Well, but, I like uh, I like the I I think you set the tone with the dunks. The dunks was the first one we did, and. You you were just like, look, you know what to do, <laughs> and I was like, you're, you're right, I do actually know what to do. <laughs> it's it's like a script, it's comedy, just to read it, whatever. Yeah, I, I'd have to um, not get the joke to not be able to do the voice. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. And I get I the know. joke, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna do that. And that was yeah, I I guess uh, it seemed like you were a little bit afraid of this past one. So the joke we just did one, uh, you called it media semantics, and it's um. This this uh, it's two people talking as most DJ comics are, and um, that was almost the name of the comic is two people talking against a gray background. But it, <laughs> I was like EJ comic fine, <laughs> but that domain, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. At that point, um, <laughs> they uh, uh, one one guy is like Jews run the media, right? And 
and the, the he's talking to a Jewish person. And the Jewish person's like, yeah, you fucking ignorant asshole. Like, I, I can just call up the Jewish media and get a job. Is that what you think? And then as he holds the cell phone to his head, um, he discovers there's somebody on the other line magically offering him a sitcom part. And he puts it down. And the other guy goes, did you even did you even dial a number? And he says, no, it just happened. Uh, and you sent it to me being like, is this too racist? Should we not do this? <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, because I thought I get the joke is very much like, let's <laughs> let's um, essentially parody like an ignorant concept or an ignorant thought yeah. and play it out in a cartoon. Yeah, it, it's basically like. I don't know. I think the idea of while there might be some truth to a Jewish media, I feel like it's a ridiculous concept and yeah. it's ridiculous to even like care or think about it. And right. so that's <laughs> so that that's that's the real like genesis of it. It's like what if it, what if it was like so true that it's like crazy? And yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Did you get any any flack for it at all? No, just praise. <laughs> just <laughs> endless praise in my 30 views. But it, it um, it's, it's just kind of funny how like um uh a sort of different treatment of the same material could easily tip it over. You know, it's, it's, it's really not, um, it's really not the song. It's the singer, you know, in a yeah. lot of ways. Well, I, I, I know what my intention is and like, I feel like I shouldn't be worrying too much about if people will take it the wrong way. So I think that's, I, cause like I, I I think that if you think too much about your stuff, you'll never make anything. So oh, yeah, no, I, I'm so, so with you. Um, yeah. So uh, tell us about uh, two quick things. Um, you were making a video game, I remember. And Yo. Are you continuing to pursue that, or are you kind of putting that down? Shoddybot? Uh, yeah, oh, Shoddybot. Tell us about Shoddybot. It's so fucking cute and awesome. Tell us about it. Yeah. Um, Shoddybot is like a Mega Man clone, but it works in reverse in that... Each time you beat a boss, you lose an ability. Right. And um, it was kind of played out in this like Game Boy kind of feel, and um, and there was like a, like a seasonal aspect to it, and um, like uh, you start off in like the spring, and it eventually gets to the winter, um, and then eventually Shoddy Bot is just like a broken down like piece of piece of equipment. But um, yeah, it was it was it was kind of like a comedy like a. Uh, also a comedy aspect to it because like the creator of shoddy bot was like it's like <laughs> like shoddy bot wanted to be loved by his creator and the creator's like i will never love you shoddy bot and like he throws him into a pit and um and the <laughs> whole game is the whole game is shoddy bot trying to get to his master so he can hug him to death because uh, <laughs> he loves his creator so much but he doesn't know his own strength but um but yeah i uh, I, I, I want to revisit it because um, especially because at the time I was like working and I was, I was in school and I was doing all this other stuff and I was doing side projects. So I would like to return to it maybe after season two of, uh, of EJ comic. Um, I'm eight episodes into the season and there, there's about, uh, about like, uh, I don't know how many math, <laughs> like 18 or 15 or I don't know. There's, there's still some season left. And then after that, I'm going to pursue other options, but um, but yeah, I definitely would love the return because like Shadibot has been on my mind even before I, I introduced you to that in in the class, and so it's something I do want to return to. And I do I do love like programming, and I've done I did a little bit of the programming in Flash, so yeah, I'll return to it. I remember it, it being sort of yeah like a cute robot that's kind of falling apart, and 
um, I believe the the I, yeah the intellectual idea behind it was as you said was that most games are about power ups and this was your powering down and it was also kind of about a, a little bit about obsolescence right yeah because he had a brother I think it was like it's kind of like you know in Mega Man there was like Proto Man Mega Man Proto Man was like the prototype. And so, like, you're playing as the prototype, and the master's already moved on to, like, the newer version, or the newer version of his brothers. And so he, and throughout the game, he murders all of his futuristic brothers <laughs> and, and, and goes. And so, yeah, it was kind of like the idea about, especially with video games, where people love the nostalgia aspect. I was talking about indie games doing the retro designs and this would be an indie game with a retro design but (laughs) but but also like murdering yeah like like even futuristic or modern looking video game art and concepts and winning out is the is the nostalgic one so yeah does didn't the levels get progressively didn't you want the, the levels to get progressively better graphics but he stays the same and craps out yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was that was one of the concepts, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and then one of the, yeah. You you also mentioned um, you love cameras and you're not afraid of live action. Um, yeah. So do you have uh, you know aside from some, maybe some of those shorts ideas? Do you have anything cooking live action? Um, I, w- I want to do a short film, but I I I'm struggling to find or get a script that I want to do. But it would definitely have to be something that's comedic in nature, at least on some level. And um, but other than that, yeah, in in the short term, I do want to do like a basically a, like skits. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, with my EJ flavor. Well, you know, um, you I was can... thinking of I was thinking of doing some more behind the scenes uh, for EJ comic, but totally going off the rails and. <laughs> Uh, making it into like a cooking tutorial or something <laughs> like doing something that's like oh it starts off as like oh i'm gonna pull out my tablet and then i don't know and then just like all of a sudden i'm baking bread or something that would appeal to me <laughs> i really like I, I i love straightforward behind the scenes stuff i love behind the scenes stuff where i'm getting some good information about the animation and i'm also being distracted by awesome jokes a la plinkett yeah. uh no yeah. i would love to watch something like that and if you want to do live action shit um you, I hope you would know to call me and, you know, you have a cinematographer in Kyle. I think he just offered himself to you, presented, <laughs> presented his ass Present- to you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, we, we would, I would, we'd love to be involved with short stuff with you. Of course. Yeah. No, when, once I come up with a good idea and once season two is over, I will definitely be, uh, be bugging you for something or another whether it's just cam- the camera reviews by frankie and ej <laughs> we're still figuring out right now the color correction for um for having fun up there it it's it's gone basically you know will rogan he's doing the color correction he was in the scene that you're in and he um mm-hmm. we shot it on the magic lantern raw uh like you were describing earlier but there's not a. I edited in Adobe, Adobe Premiere, and there's not a great workflow for getting that out of Adobe Premiere, uh, the raw files, and into DaVinci mm-hmm. Resolve, which is the program he wants to color correct in. So, what what we're, what I'm doing now is taking all of the source files. The first thing you have to do is take, you record it in .raw, yeah, and you convert it all to a Cinema DNG, and then you yep. pull pull all of those into Resolve, and you. <sighs> convert them all to proxies and then and then you can finally so now there's three copies then you can finally (laughs) go back into premiere and relink all of them and then 
<laughs> now that the now that you finally have an, uh, an edit, you can export those back into DaVinci, color correct it, and finally have an online edit again. So there's there'll be four fucking copies of the source footage by the time it's done, and the, it was already two and a half terabytes worth of, of oh, storage geez. because it was raw footage. So yeah. um, I'm staring at at 24 hours of conversion as we speak. But um, oh wow. I tell you because you, you check in with me now and again to be like, how'd that Magic Lantern thing work out? Well, yeah, because, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with it now. And even just, I made a, a shitty camera test with it. And um, that was one of the things, actually, I made a camera test recently with that uh, 50D. And I, I wanted to make it really ridiculous, but I, I don't know. I just lost steam. But, um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and... I, so I know how much converting just for a minute of of footage I wanted took. So I, I can't even imagine a whole feature film, which it, is many minutes from by my calculations. Well, it's so frustrating because I'm so close to just being done with the thing, and now, and, but there's yeah. this big technical hurdle now. And normally yeah. I'm I'm not very afraid of technical hurdles, but this one's pretty annoying. Yeah, no, I, I can feel you being done like I, you know like yeah. you have the you uh <laughs> it's like i uh, it's like the after sexually frank you got kind of like um especially because you know you did it through the mfa uh, you you yeah, I, I could tell there was a point where you're just like i want to be done right now <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I can see i can feel it i'm almost kind of right like at a, I, we had so much fun shooting in the first week of october um because it's such a good time of the year to shoot the like the fall i think is a really uh you know, it's it, kind of an inspiring time in as much as like there's it's the weather's kind of perfect and it's nice and cool outside. And I really like like the colored leaves and stuff like that. There's not a lot of rain. It's kind of dry. I was like, man, maybe I should just make like a movie a year, like right at this time of year, just shoot the fucking movie and just have like by the time I die, just like a big pile of features. None of them are good. No, but, you know, I uh, yeah, that'd be great. I think uh, have you ever looked into anamorphics like anamorphic uh, shooting? No, I, don't know. I think that because like um, I think what's what's great about you is I can see visually whether it's probably maybe Kyle's help, too, is that he's getting better as well. Right. It, it, it gets more and more cinematic with each each movie from what I've seen. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I think like anamorphics, it's kind of a pain in the ass. There's this, I'll, I'll send you a link after or it's a. There's this anamorphic adapter coming out called SLR Magic, and what it does is you know how like videos have that 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 like the the bar the bars. Mm-hmm. Well, you can sh- you shoot like stretched out with a lens adapter or a lens, and then you, you squeeze it down, so it gives it this. So you know how the like the flares like in J.J. Abrams and stuff, it, it gives it a very like weird cinematic um, look because the flares yeah. are are straight and like the, Kyle was trying the, to sell me on it. And the 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 bokeh is like is oval, and I know it's like it's totally cosmetic, and the story is um, is more important all that. But I think it does sell your work as like more legitimate. Yeah. And like because people care, like even though like your your mom or like I don't really care too much when I'm watching a movie whether it's shot anamorphically or not. Right. But there people look like pay attention to that stuff, and I, I think it would it would serve your work well to look into it. No, pro- probably the, the the one thing I compete with I feel like is I feel like if if I can just get somebody to watch, they'll be like that was pretty good or that was you know that 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 exceeded my expectations. But until they watch it. Be, I have I have to 
I'm perceived as all other low budget independent films, and they've seen enough of those to know that they're shitty and they don't want to watch them. Yeah. And I think you already got it. Like, the audio is really good. Like, I never have an issue with audio watching your films. Um, and, um, yeah, and just, like, it's it started, like, the, especially with the, the Raw uh, and uh, Kyle's cinematography. And uh, um, it just, it looks, it's starting to look, like, really cinematic. So I think you have, you're, you're, you're you're better than the, than a whole flood of the shit out there, <laughs> so. and we make it for no money and in nine days. So that's the exactly thing. like yeah. that's the th- and that's the thing. I, and I I I that I love that about you is that you never you never wait for permission. Yeah. You just do it, and that's that's my that's been my philosophy too. So I respect that in your work. So, um, so yeah, that I, and that's what my my advice to everyone out there else out there too is that. You know, don't ask for permission. Um, I I, know, I heard this thing recently, and and it spoke to me as well. Is like, don't like, just don't like, don't wait to acquire gear. Don't hoard a bunch of stuff. Artists never hoard; they just use what they have. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You know, don't don't hide behind some bullshit perfectionist. Um, yeah, I'm just waiting for my Kickstarter to come in, and I'm just yeah. starting here. Okay, l- l- let me tell you this story that I I ran into the other day. I'm uh, I was online, and this younger person, um, well, maybe only three or four years younger than me, and I've, I've known him for I knew him in high school. I've known him for a long time, and he's followed my work, and he, he respects me, and he's you know he's asked for advice a number of times, and he wants to make films of his own, but he's you know however old he's twenty three, twenty four, and he still hasn't done it. And at this point, I don't spend a lot of time talking to him because I just respond with, you should just have made something by now. Like, you should have, by now, there should have been a laptop in your face and you reviewing your favorite movies on YouTube. Like, that, you know, that's something really simple. You should have done that by now. I don't know why you haven't. But he goes, "Uh, can I ask you a question? I go, sure. And he says, "Um, what do you think about Kickstarter? (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, anybody who knew me in the MFA knows that, like, it's just the funniest question to ask me because I really... Um, have a few issues, but um, mm-hmm. I said, why do you ask? And he goes, well, uh, I was at work and I was telling somebody that I, um, that I would make movies, but I don't have any money. And they said, you should look at Kickstarter. Oh, and no. I was wondering if you thought that was a good way to find money to make films. And I was like, dude, money is not the thing that has kept you from making films. It's not. It, yeah. can't, it can't have been. There's all these methods that you could have used to, to forge forward, and you haven't yet. I mean, you know, without shitting on Kickstarter or crowdfunding completely, they, they, I, I think there might be some legitimacy to saying, you know, I, um, uh, I've been doing it for free all this time. Look how good it's been. Imagine giving me money. You know, somebody yeah. like James Rolfe, who's been producing content for years and years and years, brilliant content for free. And um, and he's like, hey, if you imagine giving me like a million bucks, what I would give back to you? Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's definitely that, you have to you have to prove to people that you deserve the money if if you are going to seek money. Like you can't just be like, well, I'm thinking about doing like a podcast every week, so if you give me money, I might do that. It's like nobody's going to be like. Nobody's gonna. I, I want to know where the hell that money would even go. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I just like you could just buy. Like I bought like the Zoom for a hundred bucks. You know, just flip some burgers. You can get one of these. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's like it's without without the crowdfunding thing kind of being there, dangling its carrot. It, it might not occur to them that like I oh I have there's some option by which I can go get money. Um, 
I feel like with it, I feel like a lot of people think now, a lot of beginners think that they have to go log into Kickstarter and begin a campaign before they can shoot a minute of film. And t- yeah. that, that to me is really, really disappointing in a world of social media and of cheap cameras. Yeah, it's, it's like, you, I, you would think by now people would see people, you know, like YouTube channels making 200 grand for doing, like just putting out stuff. Yeah. You think they would see that. And be like, oh, I can just make stuff and maybe eventually I'll, I'll like get followers or whatever. And like, that's like what social media is all about. And yeah, they, they see, so they, they're, they're, I know they're watching this shit and I know they're seeing it, but then they're like, but I might need money. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wacky thing, but, um, but a, a huge conversation. And I think we touch on it a little in the movie that I just made. But, um, listen, you have a number of places you want people to go and I want you to tell them to go there. So, oh. excitementbicycle.com? Okay. Yes, excitementbicycle, all one word, dot com. Um, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at EJ Massa. I usually just post my, my excitement bicycle stuff there. So, if you are interested in that, just follow me there. EJ M A S S A. Yeah. EJ M A S S A. Excitement bicycle. Um, it's a take on Excite Bike, um, right. the old video game. Oh, that's funny. I didn't even think of that. So, yeah. So, go there and uh, watch my videos and share them. And uh, uh, you can listen to Frankie. He's in my videos. (laughs) I wish wish you would watch these cartoons um, because they're – I love them. I think they're really funny. I mean, there's there's one thing for, like, watching your friend's stuff. And then there's, like, just watching something because you dig it. And and these – they're they're really funny and – and and EJ should be encouraged to continue making them. Not that he seems to need it. Yeah, but. actually, that's the thing is, um, it is encouraging if you like the videos on YouTube. So if you go to my YouTube channel and like the videos, like I'm still gonna make them. So fuck you. But like, <laughs> if you if you like them, I'll, I'll at least be happier when I'm making them. So. <laughs> I won't. Uh. Yeah, they're 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 great, and I hope that I do hope you put them out on Blu-ray because I'd like I'd like to just have them on a shelf sometime. Yeah, that, I think uh, that's the plan is to do some sort of um, I, my my I, ideal situation is like a Blu-ray and have like, I don't know, like three different commentary tracks, each of ascending craziness, maybe. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's hopefully the plan. Well, thank you for doing this. I know you've you've listened to a few of these, so it's, it's awesome to have you on here. Um, and uh, I hope to talk to you really soon. Yeah, thanks for having me.